Welcome to our DSM Hollywood podcast series. The following is an excerpt from Dr. Daniel Sherstad's weekly online Bible study for those in the entertainment industry, along with those who have a passion to see the kingdom of God revealed in Hollywood. For more information about DSM Hollywood, including upcoming events and how to join in on our Bible studies, please visit www.dsmhollywood.com. We're so glad you have tuned in, and we're grateful for the privilege to help you grow in your holy calling in Christ Jesus. Before you listen, I encourage you to grab your Bible and set your heart in expectancy to receive from the Lord, knowing that his heart is free to grow in knowing him and to grow in walking with him. Amen. Amen. We're going to talk tonight about uh, moving from a place of deferred hope to a place of real, just uh, seeing dreams and desires realized in our lives. Mm-hmm. And it's going to tie into, you know, last week we talked about, last two weeks we talked about changing your conversation, change your life. And uh, and so um, and so it's all going to tie in together. And so it's going to be absolutely, I love uh, doing that. And so uh, before I start my wife just has a word, little word of exhortation, and uh, she's going to pray for us all. Amen. Amen. Yeah, greeting to everyone. So so happy that you've all have, have joined us. I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verse 18. This is from the Amplified Classic. Um, so it is impossible for God ever to prove false or deceive us. For we who have fled to him for refuge might have mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and to hold fast the hope appointed for us and set before us. And now we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It cannot slip and it cannot break down under whoever steps out upon it. It is a hope that reaches farther and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil where Jesus has entered in for us in advance, a forerunner having become a high priest forever after the order, the rank of King Melchizedek. So we have this hope. Hope is the the foundation of our faith. Um, Without hope, then we we cannot really believe for the, the promise and the desires and the dreams of God for our lives. And so hope is that anchor for our soul. And I just want to encourage you that here it is saying that God is faithful. He he is not man that he should lie. And he is faithful to that promise that he has given to you. He is faithful to see your dreams, to see the destiny for your life fulfilled. And so let's let's go before the throne of grace and let's just pray to the Father about um our hope and, and the dreams and about this this message tonight. So Heavenly Father, we come before you, Father. Yes. We thank you, Abba Father. We thank you, Abba Father, that our our hope is the anchor, Lord, to our soul, Lord, Mm, to keep us steadfast in you, that we can remain um, steadfast, Lord, and and to stay on the path, Lord, that you've put before us, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, that our hope is anchored to heaven, to the Mm. mercy seat of God. Thank you, Jesus. You have gone before us and you have made the way. And every promise is yes and amen. Mm. And so, Lord, we thank you that tonight we can have hope, no matter what circumstances may look like, Lord, no matter what the storms raging around us may be, no Mm. matter what is happening in our nation and in the world. 
We have a kingdom that is unshakable. Yes. Thank you, Lord, that we are citizens of heaven, the yes, kingdom Lord. of God. Yes, and our hope is in you. Mm. You are faithful to perform, Lord, every promise, every dream, every vision for our lives. Yes. Our future is in your hands and you have gone before us and you've already there in our future, just waiting for us to meet you there. And so we just thank you for it, Lord God. We thank you for mm. this word tonight. I pray, oh God, for the anointing of the Spirit of God yes, now to Lord. come yes, upon yes, my yes. husband as he teaches and as he preaches your word, Lord. And I pray that faith will arise in our hearts tonight yes. and hope would be, um, mm. um, they would just rise up. Thank you for amen. renewed hope, Lord. Yes, Lord. In you, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, sweetheart. Welcome, Liz. Welcome, Jill. Welcome, Doug. Welcome, Kathy. Um, just naming some of the people that I noticed that are on Facebook watching right now. want to welcome all of you guys. Patros, I think I'm saying that right. So let me know what country you're from. That sounds like uh, you're from a different country kind of thing. Welcome. Yeah, welcome, sir, uh, to the broadcast tonight, and thank you for watching here. Um, one of the uh, very familiar passages of scriptures or, or verses in the book of Proverbs is uh, Proverbs 13, 12, and it says that when um, hope deferred, it makes the heart, welcome, Carla, Carla from Illinois, God bless you, uh, uh, makes the heart sick. Now, let me just stop it right there. When it's uh, your heart, when the Bible uses the phrase heart, it's talking about your spirit and your soul. Your spirit makes up, let me just kind of just for, uh, by way of definition tonight, your spirit makes up half of your heart, your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions make up the other part of your heart. And both of them have to be well and strong. Your spirit needs to be strong and your soul needs to be strong. So when, um, when hope, is deferred. A lot of times the just the veiled voice of the accuser or the just the absolute blatant um uh, Donnie welcome. She's she's watching from uh, South Africa. God bless you. And uh and, uh powerful woman of God and uh in Johannesburg, South Africa. What a blessing she was to me and Tim while we were there. Thank you. Thank you woman of God. And uh, so uh, when your soul is not healthy, it will have uh, an absolute impact on your ability to hope because hope is, is, is the foundation because we're going to get into, to, you know, faith is the substance or brings into reality that what you're hoping for. But if your hope has been deferred, the enemy likes to tell us that, that it's never going to happen. And so, listen, the promise is always for a season. Uh, the dream is always for a particular season. We're always walking in the process as it relates to seeing dreams and promises fulfilled in our life. And remember now, I said, and I've been saying it over and over again since the beginning of the year, the Holy Spirit quickened, me, quickened to me that 2020, that Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 is for the year 2021. And that is saying that according to the power that it has, according to the ability that God's power has to work 
is able to work in us according to that. Um, he says, I'm, a, I'm able to do super abundantly, far over, way above all your dreams, all your visions, all your prayers, infinitely beyond anything that you could ever ask the Lord to do. He says, that's, that's my will for you. That's my intention. I want to see that take place in our lives. And, uh, and so that's so important. And so but I want to also remind us that, you know, in, uh, when it comes to seeing dreams come to pass, when it comes to seeing hopes realized in our life, promises, dreams, that the Apostle Paul told Timothy in chapter, first, uh, chapter 1, and the book of First Timothy, and you've heard me read this and talk about this before, but I want to just remind us because uh, it's so important that we do that. So he said, Timothy, I'm entrusting to you this responsibility. And this is uh, 1 verse 18, verse 19, First Timothy chapter 1. I'm entrusting to you this responsibility that in keeping with the very first prophetic words that I spoke over your life, and they are now in the process of being fulfilled. Come on, just say process out loud to yourself right there <clears throat> in this great work of ministry. And keeping with these prophetic words that have been spoken over your life, use them as a way to encourage yourself and use them as weapons to wage spiritual warfare by faith. So he's telling Timothy, Timothy, this is your responsibility. In essence, in, in a very real way, the Apostle Paul is saying, every prophetic promise is conditional. Let me say that again. Every prophetic word that's spoken over your life is conditional. That means you're going to have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, and you're going to have to align your spirit and your soul with the Word of God for it to come to pass in your life. And if it does, if your soul doesn't line up, come on now with the word, it's not going to come to pass. And so the enemy loves to convince us because something's been deferred that it's never ever going to happen. And if we believe into that, what happens is it causes our soul, our heart to become discouraged, depressed, sick, not well, not strong. That's why... The Apostle John says, listen, it is God's desire and it is his heart's intention that you be strong, that you be well, that you be healthy, that you prosper in all things, even as your soul prospers. And so if your soul is not healthy, if it's not strong, if it's sick, it will have a direct impact on your spiritual life and everything else that pertains to life and godliness that happens is happening in your life. And so it's so important. So the word of God says, Proverbs 13, 12, it says when hope is deferred, come on, it has the, it will make the heart sick. But when desires are fulfilled or realized, it is like eating from the tree of life itself. The tree of life speaks of your internal destiny in God. It speaks of, so when you're eating a piece of fruit, he says, <clears throat> when you see one of the desires, one of your dreams come into pass in your life, it is like, it is because, come on now, you've taken, it's like eating 
a one of the pieces of fruit. And let me just say, like, let's just let's say that for the sake of illustration tonight, every one of us has a tree of life with our name on it. And your tree of life that represents your eternal dream and destiny that God has spoken over your life. There is multiple all kinds of fruits on it. And you need to be constantly eating of that fruit because each piece of fruit represents a particular season, a particular aspect of that particular eternal destiny as it relates to your whole life coming to pass. And so it's so important that we're eating of that fruit, but we will, we will not effectively be eating of that fruit if, come on now, we allow the enemy to literally cause hope to dissipate and discouragement to set in. In the Passion Translation, it says, when hope's dream seems to drag on and on, the delay can be depressing. But when at last your dream comes true, life's sweetness will satisfy your soul. Again, there's, the, there's that word soul again. Now, watch, watch as I read this verse here out of Proverbs 15, verse 4, and watch how it ties together. Because last week we we're talking about if you can change your conversation, you can change the entire direction of your life. It says, when you speak healing words, you offer others fruit from the tree of life. Mm. But unhealthy negative words do nothing but crush people's hopes. Come on, let me say that again. When you speak healing words, you offer others fruit from the tree of life. Mm -mm. Proverbs 13, 12 says, that when your desires are being fulfilled and seen, it's like eating from the tree of life. Proverbs 15, 4 says, when you speak words, come on now, that carry the power of God's healing strength, come on down, to your soul, it's like eating fruit directly from the tree of life. So your words, come on now, and your soul, Mm, the word, come on, the health of your soul is tied to the words that are coming out of your mouth. Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak words. And so what's ever in, in abundance, whether it's, because he says, man, if the tree is healthy, good fruit's going to be coming. If the health, if the tree is sick, bad fruit is going to be coming from your life. And so there's got to be this health, this strength, this wholeness, this wellness that's flowing from our soul and it's directly tied to words that you're speaking over your soul and other people's soul. Come on now. And so hope being deferred is tied directly to words that you, that you negative words that you are allowing to come out of your mouth will literally crush the hopes and crush your soul and crush other people's hopes and crush other people's. So it's so important. I always like to say this whenever I talk about hope is that um, once you lose hope for the future, you've lost all power for the present. Write that down. Once you lose hope for the future, you've lost all power for the present tense. Hope is for the future 
Faith is for the present. Faith doesn't work for the future. Only hope works for the future. <clears throat> hope is for the future tense. Faith is for the present tense. It only works in the present tense. But faith is, has the power to change your present day circumstances. But your faith cannot work with power to change your present day circumstances unless the power of hope is alive and well. So once you lose hope for the future, now your faith can't work in the present tense. Therefore, there's no power working now. Therefore, nothing's going to change in your life. So that's why the enemy loves to come first and foremost to whisper, to lie, to exaggerate. Come on now. To blow things out of proportion. To convince us because something's been delayed that it's been denied. And so we need to constantly remind ourselves that we're walking in this process here. And uh, we need to... <clears throat> and so I want to talk a little bit tonight about... Um, uh, in such a way that... Uh, I want you... First of all, I want you to go to the book of um, um, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm going to share some, some scriptures here that I believe are going to create words of hope and literally release a supernatural impartation as it relates to the spirit of faith in your heart. Because I know, you know, listen, I know God is up to some, God is wanting to do some incredible things. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, in your lives. And I'm getting testimonies all the time about God, manifestations of miracles, signs, and wonders. Oh my goodness, just this morning, I was just uh, one of the uh, young women that uh, was at the meeting there in Wisconsin last Saturday night was texting me about how the word of God and the presence of God, the healing anointing has brought, was such brought such healing presence to her soul last uh, um, Saturday night in the meeting that it started to really impact the way she was thinking and something just dawned. Come on now. The light of illumination caused something to come alive on the inside and she began to see something in the word of God and to see herself differently. And when that happened, a whole nother sense and realm of joy and peace exploded on the inside of her. And, uh, and so a real genuine transformation is taking place in this young woman's life, all because it's all time. She has hope. She's seeing things change in her life, but it all tied back to she is experiencing absolute, genuine healing to her soul. Oh, come on now. So I need us to really realize that, that how powerful it is when your soul is being healed, that hope arises like never before. And then when that takes place, faith to change everything in your life begins to manifest in your life. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse one says this. I'm gonna read. It says, faith is the assurance, it's the confirmation, it's the title deed of the things that you're hoping for. Um, the passion says, now, faith, now, or faith works in the now and it brings our hopes into reality and becomes the very foundation needed to acquire the things that we are longing for or desiring to happen 
It is all the evidence that we that we, that is required to prove that that which is unseen is about to become seen. <coughs> Excuse me. The Amplified Bible says it's the title deed of the things we're hoping for. <coughs> it's the proof that what we don't see is going to actually become a reality in our life because faith perceives something as a real fact even though our five natural senses is saying it's not a real fact. So I, I just always like to say that faith is like a sixth sense that God has given to us. And we need to, you need to make an intentional on purpose decision that I am going to walk by this sixth sense, even though my five other senses are telling me that it's not real out there. It's not a fact. It's not reality. But my sixth sense tells me it is a reality, and I choose to walk by that and not by. Come on, now you ever go, to, uh, maybe this hasn't happened to you, or you maybe you've heard a friend, maybe heard a story, maybe seen it in a movie, <coughs> excuse me, or somebody goes to the reading of a will, and in the reading of the will, it says that they've inherited all of this property or this house, and the lawyer gives them the title deed, come on now, to that house. Now, they may never have been to that house, been to that property, but when they leave that lawyer's office, in their hand is the title deed that says that it all belongs to them now. Even though they've never seen it with their five, or felt it, come on, experienced it, so their five natural senses is telling them that that's not really a fact, but the title deed is telling them it is a fact, and so we choose to believe that the title deed is reality, even though we've never seen it with our natural eyes. He says faith works the same way. Faith, come on, is a spiritual title deed <coughs> right here. And this is the word of God, the promises of God, are the, is the title deed, is the covenant that God gives to us. And he says, <coughs> when you walk out of, come on now, out of my presence and go to live life, come on now, at the speed of intentional faith, man, something is going to come alive on the inside of you. So here's verse two. By faith, we understand that the worlds during the successive ages were framed, fashioned, and put into order and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God so that what we see was not made out of things which are visible. Um, the passion, this testimony of faith is the pre what previous gener generations were commended for. Faith empowers us to see the universe. It was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's word. He spoke and the invisible realm actually gave birth to everything that we see in the visible realm. So it's the invisible world that is actually more real than the visible world. And it's the invisible world that's holding the visible world together. So when you literally put more faith in the visible world, come on now, then more than, than, than the invisible world, you literally now are standing on shaky ground. I know that sounds to your natural, come on now, intellectual mind, that seems ridiculous, but let me say it again. When you put more confidence and faith, come on now, in the visible realm, instead of 
in the invisible realm that's actually holding the visible realm together, you are now standing on sand, not on a solid rock, on shaky foundation, and it's just a matter of time before everything will begin to fall apart in your life. And so it's so important that we literally, come on, to have this desire. It says that the patriarchs had this testimony. They pursued after a testimony that carried, come on, now this testimony of faith that carried the, come on, the, 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 the spirit of prophecy to it, that every time they told their testimony, because testimonies are created and built into your life by faith. But you can't use faith, come on now, if your hope isn't strong and alive and powerful. And so, and then if you're, if there's no faith, there's no testimony. And if there's no testimony, there's no spirit of prophecy that's being released into the atmosphere to literally impact everybody else's life that's listening to you and is in your world. Now, why is that so important? Because it says not only were the worlds that we see with our natural eyes created with the, the words of God, but here's an absolute um, incredible revelation. When this Greek word that's used when it's related to the successive ages, it's talking about not just the natural world that we live in and we can see, but each successive age throughout history. So it's talking about history was created, formed, and fashioned by the words of God that were spoken by the sons of God. Oh, come on, son. Oh, come on now. Every age that we came into, whether it was the industrial age, the Renaissance age, um, the age that we're living in now, come on now, with all of the technology, all of it comes, every age throughout history that was fashioned, formed, was created with words that came from a son or daughter of God as they heard the voice of God, because this is how God creates in the earth realm. Nothing happens in his kingdom in the earth until somebody, come on now, releases a inspired word from the Holy Spirit and when they do that, that's why I can, that you can change your world. Come on now. You can, you can change your conversation. You can change your world. And we can change our world. Come on now. That we're living in by the words that we speak. But those words have got to be filled with the faith of God. And those kind of words come by hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. But if your hope has been deferred and your soul is sick, you're not going to be able to hear his words and faith is not going to arise. Come on now. And your world is never going to change. Okay. So now it says here now in verse four, let me just, I just want to just really kind of just um, challenge us and inspire, hopefully by the Holy Spirit, just inspire you to really, really, really begin to speak words that contain confident faith and to move out, come on, and I'm praying that hope will be ignited, come on now, like never before. You've heard me say this before, maybe not all of you heard me say this before, but listen, I don't care even, when you go into a room, whether it's at a school, in a store, at your business, come on now, in a home, whoever, whoever is the person, 
come on now, in that room that has the most hope will have the most influence over all the people in that room. Let me say it again. The person with the most hope in the room will have the most influence over the people in the room. I don't care if they're a believer or not a believer. If you walk into your business, come on, you walk into a business meeting at your company, whoever is in that room that is speaking words of hope will get the attention because everybody wants to hear hope. Everybody wants. It's a rare, valuable commodity that needs to come from the people of God. My God, if they don't get it from us, where else are they going to get it from? Come on now. And it's a sad testimony when somebody who's not even in the kingdom of God is standing up in the room and speaking words of encouragement and hope. Come on now. And therefore having more influence over everybody else in the room than the believers in the room. Come on now. So we need to stand up, come on, in this day and speak words that are filled with the hope, come on now, for the future so the faith that's on, in, on the inside of us can literally transform the atmosphere, shift the atmosphere, and influence everybody that's standing and sitting in that room, come on now, in your little world that you're living in right there. And so for that to take place, we've got to literally begin to see the word of God like never before. Come on now, and allow the Holy Spirit to literally, because faith sees what other people can't see. And so we've got to allow the Holy Spirit by the word of God to literally change and shift our paradigm. Listen, your paradigm is how you routinely think about something and how you routinely see things. Let me say that again. Your paradigm is how you routinely think about something and see something when it happens in your life. And so we get stuck into a certain paradigm and we never allow the Holy Spirit. We just live life through that paradigm. Come on now. And therefore, we never really see any transformation. We never see any real change that takes place. And so I want to Double dog dare you tonight to break out of your paradigm. Come on now. And allow, come on now, a shift to take place on the inside and allow the spirit of creativity, come on now, to literally, come on now, supercharge your thinking. Come on now. And supercharge your soul. Come on now. I've met way too many Christians over 35 years of ministry that... They haven't had, come on now, a new, fresh, creative thought in years. Come on now. It's like their mind is on mm, psychological birth control pills. Come on now. And they haven't given birth to a new thought. Come on now. And a new way of thinking and a new way of doing things in years. And they just live in and through, come on now, the same paradigm. And they've been doing it for years. And then they wonder, oh my God, I don't know why the Lord doesn't do anything in my life. Why doesn't anything change? Well, nothing's going to change until you change, until your soul can begin to see things like never before. And so if we're going to live our life just conforming to everything that comes our way, listen now, come on now, if you're all about being accepted, because conformity is the shortest route to conformity. Let me say it again. Come on now, conformity is the shortest route to acceptance. 
So if you're all about being accepted by people and getting everybody to, come on now, like you and just conform to everybody else's thinking, come on, and the way that they do things, instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to transform and get you out of your box, come on now, get you out. Can I tell you a true story that just coming to me right now? This happened years ago, but it's a true story about this young man that was born and he was unable to walk and his mother would put him in a box come on, a real literal box, and literally put him in front of a mirror, and he would look at himself in a mirror, and he would literally, he sat there for like two, three years looking in the mirror, and now he's, I don't know, he's like five, six years old, and in the mirror, all of a sudden, he saw himself, come on now, standing up and walking. He saw himself standing up and walking in the mirror, and when he did, he literally shook himself and rolled out of the box. Come on now. And then his mother walked into the room and said, what are you doing out of your box? And she would pick him up and put him back in his box. But he, come on now, but something happened on the inside of him. God had supernaturally allowed this young boy to see himself. He saw a vision in the mirror of himself walking by the spirit of the living God. And it motivated him, come on now, to begin to rock and roll out of that box. And then his mother would come back in the room and literally put him back in the box. And this went on for weeks, come on now, until he one day he rolled out of the box and he pulled himself up. Are you listening to me? And before you know it, this young man was walking. Come on now. And he, had, he was born crippled and now he's walking and his mother came into the room and was totally stunned. Because this young man had been healed supernaturally, come on now, by the power of God, because God came to him and gave him a vision because he saw something he had never seen before, and the way that he usually perceived himself was changed. His paradigm, come on now, of the way that he thought and saw just as a young boy was totally shifted, and he dared to get out of his box. Come on, somebody. He dared to think outside the box. Come on now. Like Taco Bell says, man, think outside the bun. Come on now. Think, come on, in a way that you've never thought before. Begin to talk like you've never talked before. Begin to see things like you've never seen before. And I'm telling you right now, when hope, when a supernatural, come on, come on now, begins Come on now, I'm just talking about, now I'm talking about thriving. I know sometimes we have to survive to thrive and, and, and I'm not putting that down because there are times in our lives where surviving is a legitimate short-term goal. Come on now, but it should never be a long-term goal. It's a legitimate at times short-term goal, just surviving. But man, God has called us to not just survive, but to thrive, come on now, to be resilient, come on now, to bounce back, come on now, and to bounce beyond, mm, to be resilient, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, and to bounce back, oh, I feel the spirit of faith arising right now, I feel the, the atmosphere shifting right now, somebody is about to bounce back and bounce beyond, come on now, that what's that setback, because that setback is just God setting you up, come on now, to literally bounce back and bounce beyond that which you have experienced in your life. Hear the voice 
within my voice. Come on now. Let a resilient spirit rise strong on the inside of you. Come on now. And move beyond simply surviving to thriving. That's the will of God for your life. Come on now. In modern day, in our modern day culture, we, we, we phrase it like this, developing coping skills. Come on now. And uh, for whatever's happening in our life. But I submit to you, you cannot develop real good coping skills until you have developed great hoping skills. Come on now. Until you know how to hope, come on now. You cannot cope. Come on, I don't care how, I don't know how many seminars you go to to teach you how to cope with things that's happening in your life. Until you, come on, go to the manual of all manuals. Come on now. Until you go to the wisdom of God right here. Proverbs is the wisdom. Come on, Solomon was the greatest motivational speaker under the anointing of God that ever existed on the planet. Come on now. And he says, when you allow hope, come on, to arise like never before, it's like eating fruit from the tree of life that literally causes your soul to be well and strong and healthy and literally causes you to step into a realm, come on, into a season that brings great blessing into your life. So we need to do that. Come on now and get out of our box. Come on now. Now, in verse 4, it says here, Hebrews 11.4, it says that faith moved able to choose a more acceptable sacrifice or a better way to worship God than his brothers, come on now, came here. So you see, faith will motivate you. Come on now, I just want to say it like this. Well, faith will motivate you to worship like you've never worshipped before. Come on now. Come on, when healing is coming to your soul, hope is arising. Come on, faith is being, come on now. Words of faith are coming out of your mouth. I'm telling you right now. I promise you, come on now, you're going to step into a realm of worship. Come on now, where you, come on now, it will, faith will motivate you to worship like you've never worshiped, to praise like you've never praised, to thank like you've never thanked, to intercede like you've never interceded before. Come on now, because it'll be by faith and not by what you have. You're going to stop, you're going to stop saying, oh, but Lord, look what I've done. Come on now, look at all these wonderful things that I've done. You're going to stop comparing yourself Come on, I'm up to other people, and you're going to come to a place and realize, come on, your worship to God has nothing to do with what you do or don't do. It has everything to do with learning how to worship with pure faith to God. Come on now. A pure stream of faith that comes from a pure stream of hope that's coming from a pure soul that's been healed by the power of God. Look here at verse 5. It says, faith moved Excuse me. It says here now, okay, it says, And God declared him righteous because of the way that he worshiped by faith. By his faith, come on now, Abel is still speaking today. Now look at here at the next verse. It says, Faith translated Enoch from this life, and he was taken up into heaven. He had never, he never had to experience death. He just disappeared from this world. Because God promoted him, for before he was translated to the heavenly realm, his life had become a pleasure to God. Mm. When this begins to take place in your life, come on now. When you begin to see things from a whole other paradigm, when you begin to dare to get out of your box, faith will begin to motivate you, come on now, to walk with God and to talk with God like you've never experienced before. 
Go on now, look at here the next verse. It says here, why? Because without faith living on the inside of us, it is literally impossible to please God for we have come to God in faith knowing that he is real and that he rewards the faith of those who are passionately seeking after him. Come on now. So faith will motivate you to walk and talk with God. Come on now. And to experience, come on, a realm of fellowship that you've never, 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 ever. Come on now. And so I'm telling you right now, even with this young woman that was texting me this morning um, from the state, I think from the state of Wisconsin, I think it was. And, uh, and what would change, what was transforming her life was, was that, um, was that she, something awakened on the inside of her because she'd been living her life for years trying to perform and then living under condemnation because she didn't live up to some standard that somebody put over her life. Come on now. Even some preachers. Yeah, there's a whole lot of preachers that they, they say they're preaching grace, but they're really preaching legalism. And they, people walk out of the sanctuary, feel like, oh my God, if I don't live up to a certain level of holiness, um, and it's, it's not that we're to be holy, but the, the grace of God will empower us. Come on, the grace of God will empower us to do that, not your own personal self-will. And come on now, and then when you don't, again, it's a process. Come on, it's a process. Remember last week, come on, though a righteous man fall, come on now, and stumble seven times. And that's seven, three is the number for heaven, four is the number for earth. And when three in heaven, come on, four and three align, come on now. So seven is speaking about the perfecting process in our lives. Come on now, even though you stumble and fall time after time after time after time, he says that God will raise you up. That Hebrew word is resurrection. I will rise you, cause you to rise up again and 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 again because it's all about what I did not what you're doing. Come on now. And I, the good work that I started in you, I am going to finish it. All he needs us to do is have a tender, come on now, spirit before the Lord as we walk before him. And so look here at verse six, it says here, it says that faith opened up Noah's heart to receive a revelation and warnings from God about what was coming, even things that had never been seen before. But he stepped out in reverent obedience to God and built an ark that would save him and his family by his faith. Come on now, the world. And then Noah received God's gift of righteousness that comes by believing right there. Come on now. And so, <clears throat> number one, so faith will begin to motivate you. Come on now, to take steps of faith. Come on now. And as you draw upon those faith deposits on the inside of you, <clears throat> And then you begin to take steps of faith, which involves risk. Let me just include that thought right there. And so let me just say it like this. Let me just phrase it like this. If you're not taking a risk, you're not pleasing God. God is looking for people who are willing to take risks. Come on now. Not just sitting, come on now, in their comfort zone. Come on now. And just, if you want to really begin to literally bring pleasure to the heart of God. It takes steps of faith that involve risk. Come on now. And come on. If the risk doesn't include the possibility of failure, 
then there will never be a true sense of victory. Let me say that again. If the risk doesn't include the possibility of failure, then there will never, ever be a true sense of victory. Come on now. Get, I'm talking about getting out of your box tonight. Come on now. Let me say it one more time. If, come on now, you want to bring pleasure to God, you're going to have to take steps of faith that involve risk, come on now, which include, always will include the possibility of failure. Come on now. And if that risk doesn't include that, there is no absolutely, there will never ever be any sense of real victory in your life. Victory comes because you took a risk and overcame, come on now, and got to the other side. Oh, if you're just sitting around, come on now, and just saying, what if? Come on, and so many Christians do that for years and years and years. Just sitting around and saying, what if this happens? What if that happens? You will never, come on now, cross the line of impossibilities in your life. You're never going to see the infinitely beyond, the abundantly over. Come on now. Come on now. Oh, possibility. God taking the impossible and making it. Come on now, the possible in your life. If you just sit around for the rest of your life saying, what if, and what if this happens, what if that happens, you will never cross the line into seeing things become possible in your life. Come on now. And then he says here in verse 7 here that faith literally will motivate you, come on now, to do things that you don't even understand, to do things that you've never seen before. And one of the blessings of doing that is household salvation. Come on now. That's what this verse here, verse 7 says, that household salvation came to the, to the house of Noah because he was willing to take a risk, oh my God, and walk by faith and to bring pleasure to God's heart. Not only did he bring salvation to him, it brought salvation to his entire family. Come on, those of you that are praying, believing, interceding for the salvation of your family tonight, come on now. I want to encourage you, come on now. Get out of that paradigm that you're living through. Come on. That you're just always, come on now, that you routinely see things and you routinely think through things. Get out of that paradigm. Get out of your box. Come on now. And begin to do something you've never done before. Listen, if you want to, come on now, see something you've never seen before, you got to do something you've never done before. That's how faith works. Come on now. And so it's so important that we begin to do that. You're going to begin to see salvation begin to literally come to your house. Then in verse 8, it says that faith motivated Abraham to obey God's call and leave the familiar to discover a territory he was destined to inherit from God. Talking about destiny and inheritances. So he left, come on now, with only the promise, only a promise, without even knowing where he was going. Come on now, and what he was going to do and what was going to happen, Abraham stepped out in faith and took a huge risk. Faith will motivate you, come on now, to trust God and to overcome the fear of the unknown. Let me say that again. Faith will motivate you, come on, faith will motivate you to trust God like you've never trusted him before and to overcome the fear of the unknown. Listen, I said this a couple of uh, uh, weeks about like stepping into the gap and uh, taking three steps forward, then two steps back, 
That's how the process works. Let me just say it, and I said it in a, in a different way than I'm going to say it tonight, but I want to say it intentionally in a, just a little bit different way uh, to help us just um, maybe to motivate us here. And uh, and it's just like this. If, if Until the misery in your life is greater than the fear level in your life, you're not going anywhere. Let me say that again. Until your misery level is greater than your fear level, you're not going anywhere. Let me say it one more time. Until your misery level is greater than your fear level, you will never, ever obey God. Hmm. <laughs> Woo, that was good, Pastor Dan. Man, my God, man. Woo, I'm out preaching. Come on now. And out teaching. Come on now. Everyone, come on now. I need to hear some feedback right there. Come on now. Mm, let me say it again. I know it steps on a little bit of toes, but until your misery level is greater than your fear level, you will never, ever obey what God asks you to do because it takes trust. Come on now. You are never going to go where you don't know. And you're never going to, mm, and if you're going to constantly, well, I got to know where I'm going. I got to know what's going to happen. And well, if, if you're going to live that way, you're never going nowhere. You're going to live the same life in the same situations with the same circumstances, and you're never going to grow. You're never going to develop. And basically, you're just going to live a dead, boring life right there. Come on, you're never going to see any kind of adventure at all in your life. Come on, until, like Abraham, he went to a place he didn't know where he was going. And he went not knowing what was going to happen. Come on now. But he did it by faith. Come on now. So this is how the Holy Spirit works in our life many times, man. He allows the misery level, the index misery level, to literally begin to rise in our lives because so many, we have all of these inbred, come on, fears that are going on in our life that's helping us, come on, and keeping us in the same place doing the same thing, not getting out of our box, come on, not seeing something different for the future, and so therefore we never see anything take place in our lives. Come on, if God, this is what Abraham, he says, listen, I'm going to go to a place I've never been for, been to, and I don't know what's going to happen, and he literally got himself into a place, man, where he literally had to say this, man, if God doesn't come through for me, come on now, I'm in trouble. Mm, come on now. And that is a really good place to be. Come on, you need to get yourself, come on now, into a place by walking by faith that you are totally and utterly dependent upon God coming, it, coming through for you. Come on, if you can think it, come on now, and come up with an answer yourself, then really, come on now, let me put it like this, man. If you can figure out how the dream is going to happen, then it really isn't a dream from God. That's your old little Mickey Mouse dream you got going on, your little fantasy you came up with. I mean, you need to dream so big that it literally demands God's supernatural divine intervention in that dream. And if he doesn't intervene, there is absolutely no way that it's ever, ever going to come to pass in your life. That's what needs to take place in your life. So it says here now, in verse 9, it says here <clears throat> that uh, he lived by faith, and as an immigrant in the promised land, as though it belonged to someone else, he journeyed through the land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob who were persuaded that they were also co-heirs of the same exact promise right there. Here's another thing that faith will do for you. Faith will motivate you to sacrifice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Come on now. If you know that something bigger, come on now, is coming tomorrow, you'll let go of what you have today. Oh, come on now. Let me say that again. Faith will motivate you to sacrifice. Come on now. If you know 
if you know, if you know that God's got something bigger on the horizon for your tomorrow, then you'll be willing to let go of what you have today. Come on now, God it will never let go of what's in his hand until you let go of what's in your hand. As long as you're holding on to what you got in your hand, you're never ever going to see, come on now, what God has in his hand for you. So it's so important. Come on now, you're never going to see that something greater is for tomorrow unless you're, come on now, you got the, come on, you got the faith of God working big on the inside of you, that it's framing and fashioning. Come on now, the, come on now, the age that you're living in right now, the world that you're living in right now, how does that happen? By hope, come on, coming alive like never before. Mm. And that all is tied to you allowing the Holy Spirit to heal your soul <clears throat> for the glory of God. One more thought here tonight, and I'm gonna here in verse 10, it says this here that uh, it says that for he, come on, he was waiting. Come on now, Abraham was waiting expectingly and confidently, looking forward to the city which has was fixed. Come on, had a firm foundation, a foundation, a city that was built by God, a city that could not be shaken. It says that he, by faith, he waited with expectation and with confidence. Oh, come on now. The Bible says, by faith and patience. The patriarchs inherited the promise, the covenant, the dream, their destiny. Come on now. <clears throat> they realized the desires that God placed in their heart. Come on now. Even though they went through times where hope had been deferred, they refused to allow, come on now, their heart to become so sick, come on now, where they were not able to hear the voice of the Lord any longer. Man, when your heart is weak, when it's not well, um, I was just telling somebody just the other day, listen, they were, we were talking along these lines and I was saying, listen, I, don't, I want you to stop and I want you to focus only on your heart becoming whole. When that happens, I promise you, you're gonna be able to hear and discern the voice of the Holy Spirit like never before. And faith will explode on the inside like you've never experienced before. And you're going to be able to walk by faith, come on, and not by what you see in the natural. They said by faith, come on now, and waiting patiently with confidence. Faith and patience. I do a whole series, and I'm going to... I'm just going to... Uh, this will be the last thought that I bring out here tonight. But I do a whole series of messages talking about this powerful spiritual force called patience. Faith is a spiritual force. Patience is a spiritual force that works in the invisible realm just like faith works in the invisible realm. Both of them have to come and align together for the promise to manifest. If they don't align, nothing happens. So Abraham, by faith, and then being able to be patient with confidence and expectation. Now, in my series, I give six biblical definitions from the Greek language 
that define the word patience. Uh, because it, it, the Greek language is, is very complicated and it's very in-depth and we only have one word for the word patient in the English language but in the Greek language they have six different definitions for the word, one word English word patience. And so the, the one that I want to leave with us here tonight is this. In the Greek language it says that the word patient literally is translated this, the power to be sound and constant. The power. Notice, patience is a spiritual power. Patience is just as aggressive as faith is. Because we, when we think about patience, we think about it being passive. Just sitting around waiting and doing nothing. I've seen a whole lot of people that they, they wait around doing waiting, but they're not patient. Just because you wait for something don't mean you're patient. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna explain that over the next several weeks as we when we continue in this series. <clears throat> the power, a spiritual power. Listen very carefully now. To be constant and to be sound. The Apostle Paul said to Timothy, listen, Timothy, God has not given you the spirit of fear or timid, timidity or the, or the ability to be shy. He's given you a spiritual force that will empower you. Come on now. The spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the ability to have a sound, well-balanced, disciplined, constant, or consistent mind, speaking of the soul, or having the ability to be consistent in your thinking. That's the power of patience. Let me illustrate how faith and patience work together in the story of after Jesus had fed the multitudes it says that he told his disciples to get into the boat and to cross over to the other side. He went up to the mountain and prayed all night. At four o'clock in the morning, he perceived that his disciples were in trouble. So he came down, come on now, to the lake, to the Sea of Galilee. There was no more boats because they had taken all the boats with them. Notice that Jesus did not access the supernatural until he ran out of what he could do in the natural. Let that drop into your spirit because way too many believers, they're always sitting around waiting for God to intervene and do something. And when they, there's all kinds of things, come on now, that God has given them the power to do, come on themselves. Jesus accessed the supernatural when he, he didn't, he didn't access the supernatural from the top of the mountain. He walked Come on, with his two legs, come on now, all the way until, come on now, he couldn't walk with his two legs on the ground any longer. And then, and only then, did he access the supernatural and then became walking on the water. Come on now, the Sea of Galilee became like walking on cement. Come on now. And he walked out, come on, halfway across the Sea of Galilee Oh, approximately a couple of miles until he got to the boat where he, they were 
And it says that as in this massive storm, it says that they, and it was pitch dark, and, and like with a flash of lightning, they saw Jesus walking on the storm. It says they began to scream like a bunch of schoolgirls. Oh my God, it's a ghost. They literally thought there was a, they were seeing ghosts and, and spirits walking on the water. And Jesus said, stop being afraid. In the actual original language, it's like a strong rebuke. That's how strong the language is. He said, stop right now being so fearful. I am here with you. And Peter says, well, if it's really you, why don't you go ahead and ask me to come out on the water with you? And so Jesus says, come out on the water with me. Come on now. All it takes is one word from Jesus because faith comes by hearing a word. Come on now. But if you're walking, come on, if you've got no hope for the future, come on now, and you can't hear his voice, no faith is coming for the supernatural. Come on, one word will change your life forever. Come on now. One word that has the faith of Jesus will literally empower you to step out of your box. Come on now. To step out of your paradigm and get into a brand new paradigm, a brand new way of seeing things, a brand new way of thinking about things. Come on now. As long as you're not walking by fear. Come on now. And so he hears the word. And he gets out on the water and begins to walk on the water towards Jesus until he takes his eyes off of Jesus, who is the living word of God. Once you take your eyes, your mind, your heart, your vision, come on now, your focus, come on now, come on, your psychological, everything about you, literally you take it, your spirit off the Jesus who is the living word of God and start focusing on the circumstances, the storm raging around you. Here's what happens. Your faith will be short-circuited and you'll begin to sink. Jesus was the author of Peter's faith but he was not the finisher of his faith. Hebrews chapter 12 says, I want to be the author and the finisher of your faith. Come on now. So it's not just good enough to start good. You've got to finish well. So he begins to drown. He screams out for Jesus to help him. Jesus reaches out and pulls him up out of the water and empowers him to walk on the water next to him as they walk back to the boat and Peter, Jesus says to Peter, as they're walking back to the boat, he said, Peter, why did you doubt? Why did you operate with such little faith? He said, oh, you of little faith. Now watch, listen, listen. Come on, I'm saying everything I said tonight to bring it to this point right here. Watch now, listen, but this is going to set you free. That word little faith there is not talking about the quantity of faith. It's talking about the quality of faith. See, Jesus said, if you just had faith at the seed of a mustard seed, you could literally, come on, that's living. If you had faith like a seed that's like a mustard seed that's living on the inside of you, you can literally speak to a mountain and see that mountain move. So what is it about? Jesus isn't saying when he uses 
the word little, he's not talking about mm, Peter, mm, you don't have very, you don't have a lot of a faith. He's talking about literally, it's translated this out of the original language. Oh, Peter, you of little burst of faith. Oh, you, Peter, of little burst of faith. Why? Because he had a burst of faith, but there was no patience or the power to be sound, the power to be consistent in your faith gets you to the other side. Mm, come on now. Until you literally are walking with faith and patience, you will just have little bursts of faith. Oh my God, today, come on, for a few days, Woo, man, I believe God's going to do it. Oh, come on now. And then the circumstances come, and now you're doubting the word of God. Now you're doubting that God is going to keep his word and his promise. Come on now. And then what? Next week, you got a little another burst of faith. Come on now. And then you're doubting again. Then the next week, you got another burst of faith. Come on. Then you're doubting again because circumstances keep changing. And come on, and moving back and forth, the wind is blowing. Come on, the seas and the waves. Come on now. The storm is raging. Come on. And then it calms down, and then you get a burst of faith, and then the storm surges again, and then you doubt kind of thing. And that goes like a cycle for literally months, if not years in your life, never seeing the fulfillment of the process, uh, the fulfillment of the promise in your life. Why? Because faith was not coupled with the power to be sound and to be consistent, because faith without patience can't see the promise. That's why Peter didn't see the fulfillment of what Jesus wanted him to see. He didn't want him to walk and to drown, walk and sink. He wanted him to walk all the way to Jesus and to experience the full experience of the experience. But he didn't get to experience the experience of the utmost experience of walking on the water with Jesus because he allowed there was no power, no spiritual force that had come along with the spiritual force of faith that literally causes your faith to be consistent, to be sound, to be constant. Once that happens, here's an awesome verse. Luke 19.21 says this, Luke 19.21, that we possess our soul. The, what's happening on the inside through the power of patience. Whoa. It's the power, the spiritual power and force of patience that gives you the grace to possess, take control, so that you're consistent, you're constant, your soul is sound. Because patience is all about Controlling the internal environment. Faith is all about controlling the external environment. And when faith that controls the external atmosphere and patience that has the power to control the internal atmosphere, when they align, when heaven and earth align, Come on now, then thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
in this earthen vessel as it is in heaven because I was willing to walk through the process of perfection until there was a strength on the inside of my soul that gave me the power to be consistent, to be constant, to be sound internally in my soul so that my faith had the power. Come on now. My words of faith had the power so that when I spoke to the storm, when I spoke to the wind, when I speak to, come on now, to my body, when I speak to my finances, when I speak to my marriage, when I speak, come on now, to my, my backslidden children, when I speak to my business, when I speak to whatever you want to see change in your life, now, genuine words, come on now, of faith, and now you can say like Abraham, faith motivated me, because I walked and waited, come on now, patiently or with the power of soundness and consistency, expectation and confidence until I saw what God said would happen in my life. Ooh, thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for your word tonight. I thank you. It's powerful. It's life-changing. I thank you, Lord God, for the truth of your word that literally transforms our soul tonight, Lord God. Lord God, we just don't want to be simply motivated. We want to be transformed. We want to be healed, Lord God, in our soul, Lord God. And so, Lord God, I pray for every person, Lord God, that's on this call tonight, every person, Lord God, Father, that is watching here, like on the Facebook here tonight, in the name of Jesus, whatever is going on in their life now, whatever happening in their life, in the name of Jesus, may there be a supernatural impartation, Lord God, Father, of fresh hope, Lord God, Father, in the name of Jesus right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord God, for that, that it's where souls are not well, Lord God, that because of hopes that have been deferred, their heart has become sick, Lord God. Their soul has become weak, Lord God. Their soul, Lord God, has become wounded on the inside. In the name of Jesus, I release a supernatural impartation of, Lord God, for the healing grace to souls tonight. I say to your mind, I say to your will, I say to your emotions, I say to your nervous system, in the name of Jesus, be well, be strong, be strengthened by the word of the living God tonight. Oh, I thank you, Lord Jesus. Hope, come on now, is, come, is arising on the inside of you. And the faith of God that's in the word of God tonight is taking hope and causing it to become a reality in the name of Jesus. And then to that we're adding the power to be sound and consistent as we walk through the process as we, until we see the reality. Come on now, until we see the invisible become visible for your glory and your honor. We ask this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.